0: Welcome to Next Steps, a podcast from Blackhawk Church in Madison,
1: Wisconsin, where together we'll take next steps to grow in our relationship with Christ, to be formed into the kind of people He's created us to be, and
0: to better love and serve those around us. Let's jump in.
1: Well, hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. With me today is my trustee co-host, Chris Kopp. Hey, Chris. Hello. How are you?
2: I'm doing great. Good. Man. It's fall. It is. It like came in a hurry. Like It was like 80 degrees and all of a sudden I'm wearing like, a winter jacket this week. So yeah. Totally.
1: Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a lot of people here at Blackhawk today, a lot of staff wearing their little stock caps. Oh, so yeah. I didn't know it was stock yeah. cap season, but here we are.
2: Yeah, our kids are collecting leaves now. Like that's a thing, oh. um, like putting them in a box. Our daughter last night was, <laughs> was shaking the neighbor's tree to get more leaves. I'm like, <laughs> okay, there will be more leaves. Let's not shake the neighbor's trees, but uh, they're in the fall spirit right
1: oh, now. Oh, so. so fun, so fun. Yeah. Uh, well, With us today, Charles Yu. Hey, Charles, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Hi, Tiffany. Today. So how are you? How's I'm it? I'm
0: doing great. Yeah? Yeah, I'm wearing a a hoodie with a kind of a long sleeve and, uh, I don't think they've turned on the heat in the church yet. I don't
1: think but they have But that's a either. good thing. I'm, I'm <laughs> yes.
0: hoping they don't turn it because on. Because
1: you run perpetually hot.
0: I get hot. Yeah. So, so. Especially when I'm on stage. So if they can just chill that room, <laughs> that stage, by, by about 10 degrees, I'd be very oh, happy. that's funny. If it were up
2: to Charles, he'd like want to preach to people like sitting in winter jackets because then you would be comfortable, right? Like I, you I've would done would this be, before, actually. Yeah. I've been at
0: churches where they, they saw what's happening and they turned it down to like 65. <laughs> Everybody's like wearing thick jackets and I am there in shorts and t-shirts. I'm feeling really great. Like this is the best oh. church I've ever preached at.
1: <laughs> but that's not what we do.
0: That's not what we do.
1: <laughs> okay, well, maybe um maybe someday. So. Awesome. Well, you guys on Sunday um Charles as you guys probably heard talked about how we are created by God in his image and that we are invited to embrace and live into that identity more and more as we follow Jesus and we're transformed by his spirit. And so Charles, I think you did a great job of talking to us about that. But one thing that you didn't really have time to share, and I think that you mentioned it in your sermon, um, you didn't really get to talk a ton about our culture's view of humanity um, and how we're being formed um, by it really every day. And so I wondered as we start out, what are some things, uh, as you think about culture, um, what are some ways that you kind of see us being formed uh, in the image of what culture thinks we should be formed into?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a 35-minute talk. Yes. I thought, well, you know, I'm going to focus on what the Bible has to say. Good. But, but it's always important to know how it contrasts with our world. Uh, this is where you, you need to not only know what we do believe, but also, hey, here are things that's going on in our world that we don't believe. Now, this is a big question. Um, you know, when we start talking about, um, you know, what is a human being? I mean, I think, that's, I think that's the foundational question to almost every human society. What is a human being? And if you go back, further back, let's get out of our Western mindset. If you go further back, uh, ancient world, uh, humans are servants or slaves of gods. That's mm-hmm. how they saw themselves. They, they, they saw that their, their place is to serve. And if that is the case, then there are always going to be some humans who are above them, people who are, who are appointed by gods or even half gods. right? If you think about Greek mythology, if you think about uh, an, uh, Western mythology, it's like, oh, there's some humans that are like half god, half human. Right. So kings were always considered to be the sons of gods. Mm. Uh, actually, this is all over the world. I mean, China, the emperor is known as the son of heaven. Mm. Right. So mm. you always have this kind of class of people. Very few of them who are like above everybody else, and everybody else kind of serve them. That's how the structure works. And 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 in those kind of cultures, and those kind of traditions, and there's not a whole lot to human life. Human human life. Mm. I think um, the term was you know short and brutish. Wow. Right? it's They're there to serve the needs of the kings and the emperors, and they die, and we don't really care about them. Mm. And so very low mm. um, view of humanity. Mm. And then the Bible came along and changed everything. Mm. And so when we talk about our Western civilization being a Judeo-Christian civilization, what we're really talking about is it's one of the biggest influences it's understanding of humanity. Um, I think it's been said that the greatest... Uh, The political influence of the Bible has been the elevation of the the individual. Mm. Mm. So Western tradition took the Bible and looked at that one section that says, hey, you're made in the image of God, and says, hey, individuals are important. Individuals Mm. are worthwhile. So we have things like human rights. We have things like like protection, human dignity and protection of the individuals. And that's all really good, except you have a secular world. Mm. And when secular worlds take the bible and they grab a piece out of it they have a tendency to grab it and twist it in weird ways mm.
2: yeah
0: so in our in our country it's about human rights yeah. right we have rights mm-hmm. the f- right to do what well to pursue happiness right that's from the declaration of independence mm-hmm. okay so what, what does it mean to be human well you can be happy if you want Mm. pursue your happiness at that's, all costs at all costs mm-hmm. or whatever right that's mm-hmm. literally, that's literally not what the bible says mm. the bible says you're god's children image god and rule the world on his behalf it is a very positive thing whereas whereas the, the western culture at least the foundation of our culture is hey you're worthwhile you're valuable you're important do whatever the heck you want mm. that's our culture mm. um if you go start thinking about you know uh nietzsche his idea of the super his superman right the idea that what what makes a human being is the will to power, is I can do whatever I want. I can achieve whatever I want. I can make myself into whatever I want to be. And that's kind of where our culture is at this point, yeah. mm. right? Human beings, express yourself. Mm. Live out whatever existence you want. Construct reality in any way you want. Construct identity in any way you mm. want because you are the ultimate arbiter of what it means to be human. Mm.
1: So, Charles, take us down maybe another like 15,000 feet. So as you think about that, I think that's really good. How does that show up in our, like, my life, in your life, in our location here in Madison? How do you see that kind of showing up?
0: Um, so, I mean, that's a good question. I mean, I look at the way we cons- – I mean, I feel like we're, we, we have a consumer mentality to everything, mm-hmm. including religion right? Church is something we, we, God is something we consume. God's going to give me something. Um, so I come to church for a little bit. I move on. I go to, you know, I do, I watch some TV. I do some sports. I, I'm, I'm, the idea of my life is that I'm in the center of it. And there's a whole bunch of different things that I draw happiness from or fulfillment from or, or significance from. And, and I can pick and choose and, and increase those, decrease those as I choose fit because I'm at the center of it all. That's kind of the Western self at this point. Mm. Right? Yeah. For whereas, and I'm saying the Western because there's parts parts of the world where that doesn't happen, mm-hmm. where you're very much part of a community, or part of a family, part of a clan, or part of a nation. Mm. But here, it is. I'm at the center of everything. Mm. Yeah. And even when we say we follow God, eh, he's a tiny portion of our lives. Mm. Right. It, it, it's not. It's not. I mean, we don't. I, I mean, how many of us wake up in the morning going, "Today, I am an image of God. I'm a child of God, and everything I do is to further His kingdom." Who does that?
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> right? all, of Who does now. That? all of us All of us We all do that. We all yeah, do yeah, that.
0: Yeah. No, no, no. We, we, there are things that pop in, like yeah. this, like, like apps on a phone. Today, we have a, we're have we doing the religious app for you know, five minutes. We're doing the Bible app for a few minutes. And, we do, and then we're going to do the sports app. And then we're going to do the exercise app. We're going to do the friend app. We're just kind of doing all those things, mm-hmm. pick and choose. And then we clear them all and do something else.
2: Right. That's yeah. kind of the self. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because... Well, I'll speak for myself, but I would imagine that most people, when they first come to begin to follow Jesus, it's out of a place of like, okay, I need this. Like, what can Jesus need for me? Like at in my moment in life where that happened is like my life is a mess. I need hope. All right, this Jesus guy seems to be able to offer that. And that's a good thing, right? Like, God does care about our personal lives and can change and transform us, and He wants to do that. But it wasn't like I heard this gospel of like all right, Jesus is king. He's building a new kingdom. So you better give your allegiance to him and jump on board. Like that wasn't, that wasn't my motivation. It mm-hmm. was very like self-motivated to want him to do something in my life. But of course, we're trying to change that narrative a little bit around here, right? Of like, no, Jesus is, is the king. He is the one that is moving history in this direction. And and we ought to be people who are partnering with him in that way and that kind of thing. But, mm-hmm. um, but so interesting how he uses even those like, selfish kind of consumer things in our lives to be able to draw us to him. But he doesn't want us to stay there. He wants us to move beyond that and be formed in a different way. And I think
1: that's the beauty exactly. Because I I think about as we are maturing and as we're being formed in Christ, like those... Those kind of fall, hopefully, more into the background as we begin to really understand yeah. the story of Scripture. The, really understand that this is that the Bible isn't even centered on us, you know, or or, or what what God wants to tell me, but um, it's actually the story of that He's He is the center of that story. Uh,
0: I, I think that's fast. I think I think what you're getting at is absolutely just so biblical. It's amazing because because here's if you if you look look at the story, God calls Adam and Eve to say, "Hey, partner with me." They don't want it. Mm-hmm. Right, it's weird. It's it's, it's a Bible. It's, okay, sorry, we're, we're giving you a preview and a spoiler alert. Of what's coming up <laughs> in the story? But right at the start, you got human beings who says, "Nope, we want to do our do things our own way," and it takes the fall. It takes brokenness, mm-hmm. corporate, society-wide, physiological, cosmological dis- disasters, and then individual disasters for people to come along and say, and says, you know what, maybe me running my world isn't such a good idea. Mm -hmm. And that's what you're getting at. It's like, hey, we come in with our brokenness and we're seeking God to fix the brokenness in our lives. And it's in that process Mm -hmm. that we go, oh, God's doing this for the whole world. Mm -hmm. And he wants me to be part of that. So you're absolutely right. I I don't think it's a problem to be drawn to God by my own brokenness. In Mm -hmm. fact, that's how we are drawn. People who are not really broken, don't don't tend to be drawn to God. Right. Mm-hmm. They're like, I don't need God.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Yeah. And then and some, and something happens to them. and They go, Oh wow! And they go, Oh, I see. Mm-hmm. That, that that what God has in mind for me is bigger and better than what I can do for myself. Mm-hmm. But but a lot of people don't see it. They don't mm-hmm. see themselves as being broken. They see religions for the weak. Yeah. And for, for the people who are, they're, they're crutches. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: And I think all of us. And all, I think all of us will come to a point, right, where we do experience that brokenness, and it just matters. When and then how we respond to it, right? We we respond in really different ways. Some of us search, you know, reach out for God and, and are open to that, and some people aren't. And yeah, um, yeah.
0: I, I do fascinating. I do find it fascinating that the the uh, uh one of my professors actually said this. He says death is grace.
2: Mm.
0: I thought, and as I'm getting older, I'm realizing
2: mm.
0: more so because mm. you know I'm okay. I'm in my early fifties now, and um and you know things begin to break down. I mean. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm. I don't. I'm not complaining. I'm just, just being real. <laughs> some, you know, some, some of my conversations with friends deal with, you know, prescription drugs and what kind you use and all that kind of stuff. Conversations about that. It's coming. <laughs> you guys. And, and what's happening is, I don't care how strong of a person you are. I don't know how how everything's going great in your life. You like you have no sense of brokenness or vulnerability. At some point, it will hit you. Mm. Your body will break, and you will say, "Whoa, hey, I am not in charge of this life." this body will be taken from me without my consent. Yeah. What then? Mm-hmm. And so pain and brokenness and suffering is built into this broken world mm. and they as which God do not God does not want but God redeems it by saying this is the means by which you will be saved. You will come mm-hmm. to me because of brokenness and because of a suffering.
2: Mm. Maybe to take things in a slightly different direction but I um So we have this pain, we have this brokenness. You alluded to the the fall, where sin enters in. We'll talk about that in a couple weeks here. Um, What? So bringing it back to the image of God, when when sin enters into the world, what happens to us being created in the image of God? Like, do we experience this pain and this brokenness because, like, the image of God in us is like almost completely destroyed, or is the image of God? tarnished but it's still there like wh- how does sin affect us being created in the image of god and our ability to rule god's world uh, can you speak to that a little bit yeah, great question uh, so we'll get to that that's that is coming up
0: but so th- the idea that we humans if you look at us as a psychosomatic unity that we we kind of communicate some of god's most basic qualities that does not change after after the fall so we still have the potential we we to- can- to, to image God in some basic ways, but there sure. are other things that are critical to the imaging of God. Um, one of them is the desire to. Hmm.
2: Hmm.
0: Okay, this is this is this is interesting, right? The image of God, the image of God is is, is, a, is a thing, a human being that says, "I want to image God. This is my desire." I want to image God. I want to rule the world on on God's behalf in partnership with him. That desire is gone Mm. in the Mm. fall, in the brokenness. And so that aspect, that relational aspect with the father is broken. Mm. And the Bible basically calls that spiritual death. Mm. That is a massive part of the fall. And with that spiritual death, without the connection to God, um, theologians talk about the corruption of human rationality the human emotions. Hmm. We don't think well. We don't feel well. Okay, we we desire the wrong things. We are we are we are we're, we're responding to things with really off emotion, like you know, overwhelming anger or overwhelming jealousy or overwhelming envy, or we stop thinking well. There's, I think you met people. I think we can all. When we're calm, we see other people thinking poorly. Like they're like facing situations like, oh, no, 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 don't do that. Don't choose A, choose B. And they're like, no, we're going to choose A. You're like, no, don't do that, right? Because you can see other people's mistakes so clearly. That's kind of how we're built for it. We're good at seeing what's wrong with other people. Rationality is confused. And, and then, of course, Genesis specifically talks of the body breaking down mm. and that we, we will be swallowed up by the dust, by the earth that what that, uh, that we were supposed to rule over. So all three aspects of the, the fullness of human humanity is degraded because we're no longer in connection with God. And that's mm-hmm. spiritual death. Mm-hmm. So do we image God? Yeah. But people call it a marred image, an yeah. image that's been slashed, a picture that's been shattered in some ways.
2: So as Jesus begins to renew and restore us into the image of God in which we were created, as we enter into relationship with him and enter into the story that we've been talking about, um, how does that begin to be repaired? It seems like some of those things we can begin as we have a connection with God again to to grow and to to be um, reshaped and reformed. But then some of them, like you're talking about, like our bodies are physically failing. We can't rule the world. Like some of those things won't be brought Maybe all of them won't be brought to completion until the end when God fully restores all things. But how is God even now um, beginning to restore and reshape us into his image? Like what might that look like maybe at a high level, but also uh, practically? Like what does that look like in our individual lives to be renewed into his image? Yeah, that's a good
0: question. I mean, mean, if you start thinking about... um, what it means to be to be a renewed image of God. Um, the first thing is the the reality that when you start to follow Jesus, you are united with Christ. There's a spiritual union that happens. One of the mi- great mysteries, have you ever talked about the, the mystical union mm. of our connection to Jesus? They, it, the mystical is tossed in there. It's a reality the Bible asserts, and we're like, how exactly does that we work? We don't
1: quite understand we it. We don't quite understand <laughs> it. Yeah.
0: But you're united with Jesus in a way in which his spirit is in you, and it's doing things, actively working. Mm. However, it is a cooperative venture. So, I mean, from the talk, I invited people to embrace the identity. I think that's a, that's a first step. Mm-hmm. Okay, The more clearly we can articulate to ourselves who we are, the more Jesus is able to cooperate with us, the Spirit is able to cooperate and move us along. Mm-hmm. So if we can start off by saying, hey, this is who I truly am, or this is who I want to be. Mm-hmm. I want desperately to live a life as child of God, who images him, and I'm being created to rule this world. Yeah. If I think that, if I believe that of myself, that's, that's really kind of our response to God. This is our cooperation. And then... Having that reminded uh, for us uh, weekly, daily, I think, weekly is come to church. (laughs) Hourly. Hourly, we come to church and you're like, okay, I'm hearing this. And then we go away, we forget, right? Mm -hmm. And so the challenge, of course, and then we get back to what we we always push here is spiritual disciplines. Mm -hmm. Some kind of way through the day where you're brought back to this reality. Oh, that's right. I'm a child of God. Oh, that's right. My coworker, that person I'm really, really mad at, that's an image of God. And, and to attack that person is to assault God himself because that person represents God's presence. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. okay. How do, I, how do I rethink every relationship that I have in my office, in my school, in my family, and constantly have that awareness? That's really the challenge. Mm-hmm. And, and as you do that, whoa, the spirit's like, oh, wait, this person's really making my job easier because mm-hmm. I can then bring about change, change mm-hmm. in the way you think, the change in the way you feel. The body part, that's not going to work. <laughs> the yeah. body's gonna keep on collapsing, mm-hmm. and um, but the but the great hope, our hope is not a spiritual existence in some spiritual heaven. Our hope is a physical resurrection. Mm-hmm. We get a new body that doesn't break. That's gonna be great. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to that. Mm-hmm.
1: As you were talking, I was thinking about those messages that we receive every single day that we're so unaware, right, of the way that we're being formed by different things. I know one of the things that this is kind of a silly example, but when my kids were little, so I have four kids. Um, at one point, they were ages six, four kids, six and under. So they, they all, like, a, a, just wow. a herd of children that we kind of herded through different stages. Um, and one of the things we did when they were young is that we would we would watch television. So it was, like, before Netflix. So you had to, like, watch TV, and then there was commercials. And so you had to watch the commercials. And so we would pause the commercials. Um like after one of them, and we would say, okay, what are they, what are the messaging trying to tell you? Mm-hmm. Right. And so they are like two and three and five and six and and um and and we would talk about how they weren't created to be consumers, that God created them to be creators. Mm-hmm. And so just even that those little messages that we we don't even know that we're receiving from our environment, how that those things are really forming us and how yeah. we show up in our everyday relationships and how mm-hmm. we show up to, um, the ways in which we're yeah showing up in the world. And so yeah. I think those are things that like, we'll never get to the end of that. Like we are constantly being formed. Um, but I think that's one thing that, yeah, I've just been really interested in lately. Like what are the things that are forming me that I'm just super unaware of? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, no, I lo- I love what you're saying there. Cause it's, it's back to the same problem, which is you can, um, you know, in a sermon, you can hey talk about what does the Bible say, and we don't have time to talk about what does the culture say. Yeah. I, I same thing with I think spiritual discipline is mm-hmm. hey we can remind our, we can remind ourselves who we are before God, but then we're but we're but we're leaving ourselves open because we're not engaging the culture critically. Yeah. And and it's a lot of work, um, so for work. ourselves and for our kids. Yeah. Um, I, I remember when our girls were younger and when we read stories, I would counter-read stories. <laughs> okay. I would pick up a book and go, oh my gosh, this is a story about, I don't know. Sorry. I, I'm going to get in trouble now. No,
1: you're fine. Go for it.
0: We're, we're going to talk about princess stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh gosh, princess stories. <laughs> so, I'm, I apologize for people like princess stories. I'm sorry. But I was counter-reading them. I was like talking about, I, I don't want to get into details because some of the stuff is kind of Weird. Uh, But the idea is that your children are being exposed constantly to a barrage of messages. And as parents, identifying them, critically engaging with them, not in a way that's kind of, you know, oppositional, antagonistic, but in a way that says, hey, this is what's going on. Okay. Even ask the question like, hey, that's an interesting commercial. Who are they selling it to and how are they selling it? Just even ask that question, then mm-hmm. people are like, oh, they're they're appealing to this. Mm-hmm. So, so, so we're critical consumers yeah. of the things that are coming at us. Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's very helpful. Yeah. Same thing with movies. You're always like, okay, what's the underlying? What's the what's what's good and evil in this storyline? Mm-hmm.
1: And does God say that that's? Yeah. And evil too. And what does the
0: Bible nice. say about it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. Yeah, every movie, you can ask the question, because every movie has an evaluative framework. Mm-hmm. Every movie has a way of saying, subtly, this is good and this is bad. It's getting you to root for something, mm-hmm. right? It's getting you to root for things. I mean, I, I remember, um, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I, I used to watch a series called Dexter. I don't know if you guys are familiar with that mm-hmm. series. Yep. It's a series about a, a, a serial murderer who kills serial murderers. Oh, interesting. Yeah, serial killer who kills serial killers. And what's fascinating is that the entire series manipulates the audience to root for the main character who is mm. a serial murderer. Mm. You're you are rooting for the serial mm. killer. Mm. And that's what these that's what Hollywood does. That's what storytellers do. They want you, they want to get you in the position where you're rooting for the bad guy or rooting for the morally compromised person. Okay? And they're intentionally doing so. It's a funny story. You watch mm. it, and
2: go, yeah, I'm rooting for a serial killer. <laughs> cool. Uh, it's yeah, it's and we're not just talking about like depending on your background or whether you grew up in a youth group, maybe there's some people listening that like you had to go and, uh, you throw your, like your, um, Bush and Nirvana CDs into a, a trash can. Chris, and get I'm the, still kind of upset were, about that. You're still upset about <laughs> Did that? You really?
1: I threw away Metall- oh. uh, Metallica. Oh. That was my. Yeah. Oh. yeah. See cool. things like that. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: we yeah. probably all got our stories, sure. but we're, so we're not just talking about that kind of stuff, but like, I think, um, like, it's one thing to see them in our kids. I can so relate mm-hmm. to that story of, like, oh, where did my daughter get that from? Like, that's interesting. You can literally be in them, like, see them form day by day. But in our own lives, mm-hmm. man, I don't know. It just feels so much harder. I think, like, as a society, Five to 10 years down the road, we begin to see like, oh yeah, that social media thing had some things Mm -hmm. that formed us that weren't super healthy. Now I'm comparing myself to other people and I'm anxious all the time because I'm just like, so we see things in retrospect or maybe it is things like movies or the like entertainment that we're taking in or constantly watching news and how it just bombards us. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. That had an effect on me that I wasn't aware of at the time. Um, But man, like, so how can we begin to? Like, even now, in the middle of the things that we're experiencing today, I don't know, are there things for you guys that help you grow an awareness of how you're being formed in the midst of the things that you're surrounded by, like, even even today or on a daily basis?
1: I would say for me, and this is maybe, like, a a cliche answer, but really is community. Hmm. Um, Like, I meet regularly with two women who we share about our lives, and we're also... (laughs) asking each other questions and not just like, um, you know, maybe they'll push some motives that I I have, or maybe they'll ask the next question uh, to reveal maybe a little bit of something in me. I mean, Charles, you were talking about how we're really good at seeing kind of like other people's like, oh, well, we could either get upset about that, or we could (laughs) in loving community, be able to do that for one another. And I think that it, it just begins to form me. Like the questions I'm asking might be different or Mm. I might, the next time I have that same motive that I wasn't aware of before I like, it catches me like, you know, my brain catches on it. And I'm like, Oh, this is what they were talking about. Um, and I think little by little that's been in this past couple of years, it's been really formative.
0: I have to agree with that. I mean, having a, having deep, close friends. Um, but the the trick here is I think, I think you already, you're, you're basically, it's what you guys are doing, which is intentional space. It's not just, hey, let's shoot the breeze and hang out and chat. There's an intentionality behind it that says, hey, what is going on with your life? I'm going to submit it before you and you're going to. So so my, I have a friend, we've we, we okay, we've been talking to each other on the phone for like 20 years now. It used to be once, once a week. Now it's every other week. And sometimes we get a little too busy, so it's getting harder. But it's really, basically, I talk for 45 minutes. He talks for 45 mm-hmm. minutes. I talk about what's going on in my life. He looks at it and mm-hmm. he's like, okay, what about this? What about this? Mm-hmm. And I do the same for him. And if if you do that over the course of decades, what happens is that person is going to be able to draw and plot lines and go, Mm -hmm. hey, this happened back then. Do you remember that? Like, oh, I don't remember. And they're (laughs) able to pull things together. You go, oh, that's what God's been doing. Or, well, that's the way I've been deceiving myself. It's amazing when you if you invest intentional time into into these kind of relationships, what God can do. Mm -hmm. So I I totally want to agree with you on that. Um, At the same time for me, what I find, um, I want to kind of respond to what you are getting a little earlier, um, uh, Chris, is that avoiding things isn't the solution. Sure. Um, I find that avoiding things don't really work. As, as Christ followers, we're not really called to avoid the world. We're to be in it, but not of it. So it's not like don't watch TV, don't watch a movie, don't do social media. That's not the solution. No, no, no. It's to somehow be in all of it and be untransformed by it. Mm. That's a different mindset.
1: And requires much maturity and wisdom of what can my, like, right, like what can my 14-year-old be in and not be transformed yes. versus what can I be yes. in and not being transformed yes. versus yes. my yes. 70-year-old right. self, you know. Yeah.
0: So a lot of wisdom, a lot of maturity, and also kind of a lot of like, hey, everybody's in a slightly different place. And for some people, like, oh, I shouldn't touch, go, go anywhere near this. Mm-hmm. Other people like, you know what, I can, I can see that and I can, I, can, I can understand it and I can help, help people interact with it. So there is the aspect of intentionally pursuing God. And then there's the aspect of engaging with the world, not running away from it, but being thoughtful behind it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So,
2: yeah. Tiff, those that um, know you, especially here on staff, will often t- hear you talking about the idea of counterformation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could you say a little bit about that and like how that pertains to this yeah, that's conversation? Okay. I think we've been circling around that a little bit, but like, what is counterformation and like, how does that come into play in the conversation yeah. we're having?
1: That's a good question. So counterformation is the idea that um, as we recognize that we're being formed in a certain way, um, that we do intentional things that would counteract that formation. And so um, those things will change over time for each of us depending on what we're dealing with. Or sometimes as a community, sometimes communities are being formed in a certain way, and there needs to be intentional yeah. counterformation to kind of change the whole community. Um, so maybe a really easy example would be um, one of my one of my daughters is generally grumpy and I have three daughters so you don't know which one I'm talking about um (laughs) and and so uh so that it's like part of her being um and if you talk to her five seconds you're gonna know which one I'm talking about but so one of the things we we did is like you know I was like I can't do this this is not good for her This is not good for the community that she's in and so we before bed were saying I I would ask her okay can you tell me three things that went well today Mm. maybe three things you're grateful for but just just can I train you? Can I counterform that that constant loop in your brain to look for the negative, to look for the things that went bad, to talk about it? Like, can I help you to recognize? And I think over the course of, of months, right, that has begun to change her. You know, she'll say, Mom, I think we need to talk about the things that went well today. Let me give you my three. Because I think she's recognized it in herself. Like, I feel different when I'm thinking a different way so that's just one one simple example um but
2: so good Yeah. yeah or even like um I don't know that I've ever thought of it in terms of counter formation before I've learned a lot about that from you but I think even um like Probably many of us on our phones or our watches now, we have like these reminders that we can set up to like just stop and breathe for even like it sounds yes. simple. Like stop and breathe for a minute and we need a reminder <laughs> to just slow down for a minute or five minutes or whatever. Yeah. But like that is counterformation yes. too, of like in the midst of the busyness and the hurry. I mean, I know that there are people listening to this. You're probably driving home from work right now and you've had back to back to back-to-back meetings throughout the whole day and no chance to maybe you didn't even eat your lunch, but is there a way to kind of be not Sucked into the busyness and the anxiety and stress of things, but to even if it's for two minutes today, I'm going to set a reminder to just breathe, to be present with God, and to to pray whatever that looks like. So, um, yeah, I love that idea of counterformation and being in. It requires being in tune with the ways that we are being formed in a way that maybe isn't helpful. And then what can we do to kind of counteract that? So I love that.
1: If I could just add one more, I think, you know, for our day right now, I think we are very busy people. Like you said, I think that there's often, we like to think of ourselves as as machines, like that we're human machines that we can keep on going. We can say, yes, we can keep on adding one more thing to our lives. But so that's why I really do think that in this, maybe, maybe in this moment, the, the counterformation of Sabbath rest of slowing down not just simply to recharge ourselves but actually we're saying we quit today because we believe that we are we have limits that we're human beings that we, we we're not god and i just think that that reminder that counterformation is probably the most difficult thing we can do yeah. today but so i for our whole the, the american western church i think that is a huge kind of invitation
0: just to throw in there mm-hmm. when you stop you're actually imaging God. Mm. Mm. You're actually Godlike. Wow. And this, that's the that's the biblical logic, yeah. right? The yeah. resting is not for greater efficiency or yeah. do more work. No, resting is because God rests. God rests. God rests. You should do it. You're imaging God in what mm-hmm. you do. And 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 I think the the thread I'm picking up in this entire conversation is just a tremendous amount of intentionality. Yeah. To image God is a choice. To to, to reflect who God is and to, to to desire to run God's world is a choice that we make every single day, every moment. You're like, no, no, I'm intentional about that. I'm I'm, I'm maintaining my self-awareness. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, you drown beneath the, culture, mm-hmm. the cultural wave.
1: Mm-hmm. It just
0: kind of sweeps you over and 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 consistently breaking out of the, 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 the kind of the, the buzz that's in our head. Mm-hmm. That just kind of like kind of flowing along. Go, wait, no, stop, wait, wait. That's not what's going on. Mm. What's going on is I'm a child of God and I'm in this culture and I'm being formed and I need to resist. Mm. That that awareness is so critical. Mm.
1: And I think that's the beauty of the church is that we get to do that together as a community, right? Like that it's not just up to us. And that feels – because I can feel heavy uh, to, to imagine that it's all up to me and, and the God and God working together. But that really the church is a community that gets to do that and be that together. And I think it matters. Like I think it – I think it makes it easier. I think it makes it more fun. I think it makes it, um, yeah, richer, right? As we're on mission with him, and and hopefully that that that's attractive to the world. Also, the, 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 cha-
0: also <laughs> challenging. Let's be real. So Let's be real. So
1: challenging, but but those moments, right? You have those moments where uh-huh. you're like with with some people you love, even if it's hard, and you get glimpses of it. I think, and I think that's encouraging to keep on going.
2: yeah, yeah. yeah. And it matters. Like there's things at stake, right? Like if we don't, you know, not to put too much self-importance on us, but like, this is a big call that we get to participate in to rule God's world with him. And so, I don't know, I think of like any other job or commission we get, like if you are going to step into leadership in your business or you're training to become an athlete, you're really intentional about equipping and preparing yourself to, to do what needs to be done to be able to do that well. Like I think of football players who like they have these crazy diets to get rid of anything that is super unhealthy so that their body is ready to go to be able to perform or leaders who are taking leadership courses and reading books and all that sort of thing. And so in the same way, as we get to partner with God to rule his world, um, yeah, just love the intentionality of yeah. of moving toward that in a way that allows us to, to do that well, because it it matters, like it is going to make an eternal impact um, as we're able to step into that and, and to do that well with him.
0: Yeah, and and I think you're getting at the the part of a partnering with God to run his world, mm-hmm. right? And and what, what does that even look like? Mm-hmm. I, you know, I think we're thinking, I think part of what we've been talking about is just staying keeping our head above water so that we're not <laughs> overwhelmed by the cultural waves. Yeah. that we can go, hey, this is who I am, this is who I am constantly, hey, I remember who I am, I remember who I am. And, and th- then there is the other part, which is, okay, now that you remember who you are, what are you supposed to do with that, mm-hmm. right? I mean, I, I, I try to encourage people, look, this is your church. Blackhawk is, the whole church is. You should know more about your church. Mm-hmm. You should know more about your community. This is, this is, your, this is your primary identity. Mm-hmm. Okay? If you know more about the Packers than you know about what's going on with God's people in this world, in this country mm. Something is wrong Okay, I just said something really, really bad I'm sorry, you can <laughs> cut this out if you want to, Chris No, But that's good. you should not know more about the Packers Than you know about the church mm. Mm. Okay, I, I would recommend Hey, go ahead and root for the Packers all you want I, I, I read about the Packers I go online and watch stuff I also say, hey Maybe read Christianity today mm. Know about what's happening With the mission Because this is a mission you're a part of yeah. Okay, So care about it. And yeah. the one way you care about it is to learn about it. I mean, that's really basic. Go to Christian Today, subscribe, read the, read the, read the articles, find out what's happening in our world. Mm-hmm. What's, find out what's being talked about, where is the direction of the, of the Christian church, what are the problems, what are the challenges. You can know how to pray mm-hmm. and you can see it happening. And you can get into good conversations and dialogues. So we're forming people in our mm-hmm. church who are like, we love God's kingdom mm-hmm. and we want it to flourish. And we want and, and we gotta we we gotta find ways to, to invent it and we don't just sit there and wait for the pastors to come up with all the solutions. Yeah. Right? So
2: Yeah, even not even, especially young people too. Like I think the three of us were in a conversation with a couple others the other week where we we're talking about younger generations in our church. So if you're listening to this, maybe, man, maybe you're even in high school listening to it with your parents or college or a young adult or whatever like, man, press into these things because you matter. You are going to be the people that are leading this very church forward. Not the three of us in this room. Eventually it's being passed on to you. Even now you, um, you can make a difference and you can lead and you can do things. And so, man, I just love sitting down with younger people or just people in general and hearing like, their dreams about what it is that they feel like God is commissioning them to in the world, or even just like, what kind of a church do you long to be a part of? What, what, what would it look like? Do you think if we were to, to really engage your friends and your coworkers well, and all these sorts of things. So man, be dreaming about that and and share those dreams and, and be pressing into those things because you matter. And um yeah, you can right now and will be leading this church and other churches going forward. So. That's true, because, you know, the current leaders will all be dead one day. <laughs> Back to that first
0: theme. I'm sorry. I can't stop that. But the reality is, yeah, that's what happens. Generations pass, and the next generation will take over. So if you're a young person in the church, you're in your teens, in your 20s, yeah, start thinking about what kind of church you want to build. Hmm. And start thinking about, hey, the church that we currently have, whether it's Blackhawk, whether it's a church in America, which is a church in our in our world, what's happening there? What are his weaknesses? What is his strength, and what will it look like in this coming century?
2: Yeah, I remember being at a, a big conference when I was in Denver. This really well-known pastor—if I said his name, everyone would know who he is—that was up in stage or up on stage in front of a bunch of pastors, saying like. Guys, I don't know what to do. You used to be able to throw up uh shiny lights and kids in skinny jeans to do worship music and you'd draw in like thousands of people. He's like, "I don't know. It's it's you younger people that are going to going to know what to do in the future and be able to lead us into what God has for us next." So, I always think about that. Um but yeah, mm-hmm. he doesn't know what to do. Um mm-hmm. God does and he's going to use younger generations to push us forward in that.
1: So if you are young, you should email us with <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right now, right now, yeah. and uh, let us know, and we can have some coffee.
2: That's yeah. What, yeah, yeah, they had this conversation it's went okay. in a little bit different direction at least this last few minutes, but I think that yeah, that's important. We want people to hear that. I know it's easy to come into a big church like Blackhawk and think, um, man, everything is so structured, and you know, there's this kind of way that things work. But um, yeah, we want to be learning from you guys and hearing what is on your hearts and all that yes. kind of stuff. So so
1: good. So good. You guys, thanks so much for taking the time to to talk about this and dream about this together. And, um, I hope it starts some great conversations, uh, for those of you listening, um, in your families or with your roommates or, um, in your community groups. Um, yeah, we're just really appreciative that we get to, to do this together. So awesome. Thanks Charles for being with us.
0: Oh, thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: We know you got some questions. Let us answer them.
2: All right. Well, we got a few questions for today about the image of God. I kind of figured that might happen after Charles' um, message. This is a big topic that, again, books and books and volumes and volumes have been written about. Um, So we'll try to get a little bit deeper into this just in the next few minutes. But basically, the question is this. When thinking about being made in the image of God, it seems very clear that this is without qualification in the scriptures, meaning all humans are made in the image of God, period. So one, is that an accurate statement? Uh, But then the person that submitted this particular question went on basically to give a couple examples of like, what about when there's just like examples of extreme evil in the world whether whether it's hitler or um other just people that maybe they commit violent crimes or things like things like that so basically i think the question within the question is like are even those who do bad things who do tremendous evil in the world are they still somehow made in the image of god like how do we wrestle through that how do we reconcile um, kind of their reality, their actions with the fact that the Bible tells us that all people are made in the image of God. So uh I have the luxury of sending it to you <laughs> to I don't know, how would you respond yeah. to that?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think that the easy answer maybe is that we are all created in the image of God. Um despite what we do or don't do, uh yeah. we all have that image um with us. And I'm the fall, right. We do, it is tarnished, um, right. It isn't as beautiful as, as God intended that to be. And, um, sometimes we, um, don't act in line with that. Um, in in, in alignment with that. Um, Mm -hmm. but Chris, it makes me think of, um, it makes me think, I think what we were looking this up, 2006, uh, Saddam Hussein, I don't know if you guys remember that, but, um, I remember when he, Um, We got news that he had been killed. And um, I just remember being, I think I was um, just out of college with some friends when we heard the news and like seeing like just so many people rejoicing. And part of me was like wanting to rejoice too. And then part of me was like, man, he was made in the image of God. And I wonder don't think, I wonder if God's rejoicing. I don't, I don't think he is, you know, and just longing, wishing, um, that he would have, you know, um, given his life to Jesus. And, um, and so I think that's the, I think that's the thing we wrestle with when we think about people who do, um, really awful, atrocious things, um, is how do we live? How do we act towards them? And uh, Jesus has some things to say about that. So.
2: Yeah. Right. Like that's, that's not a popular opinion (laughs) to have, right? Like we were talking about that like where we were when that happened, before we pressed record. Um, Man, and I can remember having similar feelings that like everyone around us is rejoicing. And there's a lot of reasons to do that, right? Mm -hmm. Because of the tremendous evil that he inflicted on his people and in the world. But like as people of the scriptures, there's also this reality that like all people are loved and valuable to God because they're created in his image. And so, so yeah, there's often this tension of like, man, what do you, what do you do with that? Um, But there's like kind of this inherent question, even underneath that question too, Mm -hmm. I think like, how does sin affect being made in the image of God? Like, does it do away with it completely until we begin to follow Jesus or how does that work? And I think you gave an answer to that. You're like, it's tarnished, tarnished, right? The image of God is tarnished in us. And then when we begin to follow Jesus, we're slowly remade in his image or renewed in his image. That's the language of scripture. Um, but yeah, there's still something there and you can see it more or less in different people. We're talking about extreme examples with Saddam Hussein and, um, and Hitler and that kind of thing. But like, Tiff, I don't know, have you ever met someone, maybe it's a neighbor and they're not a believer, but it's like, Crap, they're kind of a better person than I am, <laughs> I think right? literally
1: like, my neighbors right now, they are incredible people who I just keep on thinking, man, why do they serve me so well? I feel like yeah. I should be the one serving them more often, but they're the ones that are showing up right. time after time after time, um, It's just generosity and love, right? Yeah. I'm sure you've experienced that yeah, same thing. Yeah, and
2: we all know people like that. And thank yeah. God, too, that there's people like that. But I think that's because all people are created yeah. in the ma- image of God. There's still um a remnant there there are really good people in the world that reflect him and maybe they're not doing it intentionally but that because of who he's created us to be um yeah they're they're still reflecting an aspect of who he is even if they're not doing that intentionally so yeah. um so hopefully that begins to answer the question a little bit like um yeah even with criminals even with um Saddam Hussein all all of these different kinds of things um yeah, the reality of sin and evil, like it's it's real, right? It's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, but even in the most kind of extreme of circumstances, there is an image of God. There's a remnant that's left with inside us that Jesus can take hold of mm-hmm. and and renew and, and make beautiful again. So I don't know. Anything else you wanna I wanna add to that? No, I think We're that's good. great. So yeah, so good question. Um, hopefully that feels adequate. Again, there's just so much tension uh, and gray with with some of these kinds of things as we process through what it means for our lives. But yeah, all people are created in in the image of God. God loves them. They're worthy of our love and dignity and respect. Um, And that should change how we not just interact and think about the history books, but also, yeah, the people in our daily lives. So, Um, something to to think about as we continue in this series. All right, let's end with that. Um, Hope you guys have a great week and we'll see you next week.